Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. Michael Waits. Michael Hello, Michael welcome to Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. Today we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about the journey that brings entrepreneurs to Asia. Obviously, every journey, every story is unique. So we're always curious to know why people decide to come to Asia, especially people who have established or illustrious careers, you know, maybe 10, 20 years in the corporate world behind them. They decide that they want to go and start their own business in Asia. To do that today, we're going to talk to Anthony Quinn. He's the founder of DD Cashback, originally from the UK, but he finds himself today in Bangkok, Thailand. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hey, Graham. Thanks for inviting me on. It's good to have you here. And we're going to talk about your journey in two ways as we're talking about off tape, firstly, how you ended up in Thailand and also how you ended up starting your own business because, you know, you had a corporate life beforehand and you were working in the UK, so working in London. So let's start at the top, DD Cashback, so people could get an understanding of what it is that you do and also, you know, what's your day job, so to speak. So what is DD Cashback about? Great, okay, so DD Cashback basically um, is an online website that enables um, people in Thailand, uh, any online shopper, to save money every time they shop online. Um, so just very simply, the way it works is that you choose a retailer that you want to shop with, and it might be travel, could be electronics, could be health and beauty, um, etc. Um, and you would sign up to our site, you would click through to that store, you would shop as normal, um, and basically if you, if you make a sale, uh, the store rewards us with a commission for driving that sale from our site. And what we do is we pay most of that commission back to you as, as a cashback reward. So we keep a little bit ourselves. Um, but yeah, most of it goes to you. And every time you shop, there's no, there's no one-time uh, one time cashback amount. Every time you shop through, um, I mean, we've got just under 250 stores now. So we cover nearly all of the big the big guys here in Thailand and international, mm. uh, you know, travel merchants and things. So, yeah, every single time um, you can get, um, you know, a, a discount on your shopping. So we hope that it's there to offer that obvious benefit to people here in Thailand, but encourage them hopefully to shop more and help to grow the whole e-commerce ecosystem here at the moment, which is growing. Mm. Um, but uh, we're hoping to help with that growth as well. All right, so so people understand the core of what DD Cashback is. It's an affiliate platform, isn't it? It sounds like it. it. Well, not not a network, it, but in the it, sense yeah. that you're you're aggregating lots of offers and campaigns, and you're you're then introducing those to people who sign up for your platform, and hopefully, exactly. because yeah. they're regular, you're going to get regular income. They're going to get regular cashback. You're going to get regular income, and the merchants get regular customers, right? Yes, it's kind of like a it's kind of a win 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 situation um, where exactly what you said, you know, the, the the advertiser gets gets sales, the member gets to save on their shopping, um, and obviously we we drive a, you know a small bit of revenue from that um, from the members. So it's a great model because everyone's everyone's winning. Um, mm. Okay, and, yep. well, let's go a bit deeper into that. You've been doing this for what, nearly two years now, just to get my notes right. End of December that you started DD Cashback. So end of twenty fifteen you started DD Cashback. So nearly two years. So at the time that you launched it, was there anything like that in Thailand available? Uh there wasn't actually. Um we um 
you know, kind of done a bit of research into whether you know where there was any gaps in the market using my experience, my kind of affiliate background. Um, and there was there was a couple of opportunities. One of those was obviously the cashback site. There was a site that had just launched in Singapore um, at that time, but there was no one actually in Thailand. So immediate gap. Um, I thought, let's, you know, let's do it. You, you know, using what I know, um, I got together uh, with the developer, and um, you know, got the site built as quick as possible. Put the partnerships in place uh, with as many stores as possible as well, and then yeah, just just launched, went to market um, as soon as we could, and then just you know, spent the following months pushing it out and and trying to trying to kind of educate the 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 members into how they can use the service and you know save save money because a lot of um when you say basically money for free uh there's always some kind of skepticism you know yeah, what's, what's the catch is it a scam uh so so we, we found that out quite quickly that we had to do a lot of explaining um and what we did on the site was build uh you know extensive faqs we we put together an explainer video uh we put together some visuals that basically showed um how it work um we used some testimonials from from members that had already received cashback uh, you know genuine people that had used the service so hopefully that would encourage people to to join and try us out um because the great thing is once someone does try it out and they see the money in their account um they tend to come back and use it again because you know they they want to save money every time uh so yeah a lot of our focus is on um helping helping members to to keep coming back uh, and shopping with us but yeah obviously the acquisition part you know getting people into the site and to use it for the first time okay yesterday i was, I was interviewing um french chap by the name of damien canais he runs siam car deal which is a uh, a platform in thailand for buying new cars not too dissimilar i mean it's not an affiliate model but basically he you know the the car dealers and there's about 2000 car dealers in thailand would bring their you know their stock to the the platform and then connect with new car buyers in thailand it's a real problem buying cars in thailand for example i mean there's not the kind of information we used to and he you know again it's you, you've got a two-sided model on the one hand you've got the advertisers on the merchants and on the other hand you've got the customers and you'll bring them together with this platform so the interesting thing about his model and there's some parallels with what you're doing is that he came from outside and he's French married to a Thai lady. He came to um, Thailand and set this up because he'd seen it in France already. And, you know, like France, anywhere in Europe, there's a lot of these established platforms that, you know, broker information or broker relationships between buyers and sellers. Right. Um, so I'm wondering with yourself where you had seen that model before work and whether that was inspiration for you to do likewise in Thailand. Yeah, so in my last role in the sort of corporate world when I was working for um, a company called Rakuten Marketing and, and previously known as, as Linkshare, that um, that company was an affiliate network. So essentially what where they sit between the relationship between the publisher and advertisers is right in the middle. So they, they track the whole relationships. Um, they, you know, handle all the payments. Um, and there's an account management part of things as well, where, um, you know, their purpose is to drive, try and drive more sales through the advertisers. Um, so really the, the background came but from working cause we were, on, I was on the client side, uh, of the business, um, on the account management side 
And, you know, like I said, our role was to try and drive more revenue. And, and the way to do that was to partner with um, some of the bigger sites by looking at the long tail as well. But um, the bigger sites tended to be um, certainly cashback sites and, um, you know, deal aggregators um, and comparison sites and people like that. So we got to work quite closely with these sites and I got a really good understanding of um, the model itself, especially the cashback model and how it works. Some of the growing pains as well, because we worked with you know guys that started off really small and, and grew grew up. Um, so that's really where the experience came from. I looked at these different types of uh, affiliates, I guess, publishers as they're also known. And when I came over here, I was just looking at the market here, um, Thailand first, but certainly the bigger picture across Southeast Asia, and and looking at yeah, like I said, where the gaps were, and because I knew that. The cashback model was an attractive model both to to drive traffic and revenue um, for the advertisers, but also for the actual members as well, uh, for them to be able to save money. It it was a very attractive model that wasn't being done here uh, at the time. So that was it. You know, mm. I made the decision straight away and got it got it going. Well, let's talk about that model. I don't think people are fully aware about how profitable affiliate marketing can be. Are they? Because A, they're not aware of it and they're not aware that there's these often large networks who run these things. And also, there's no real contact or relationship with the, the middleman, is there, often in these situations? It's, you know, it's a merchant or maybe a website and they are marketing a product and you don't really sort of see how all that sort of fits together. Maybe they have like a, an affiliate link and so on, or, you know, they have a special page on their website and people aren't aware of this, but, you know, I know people in affiliate marketing and I've had sort of firsthand experience from their stories and I know they've made significant amounts of money. And the, the thing is as well is that as with any kind of affiliate marketer, they're very cagey about, it just seems to be goes with the territory about how much money they actually make, but they do very well out of it. And I think it's sort of people in that industry tend to not give away a lot because they understand that if somebody finds out that they have a very profitable product, which they're marketing, it's very easy then for another affiliate marketer to move into that space and start eating away at their profits, right? So how do you, when you sort of go into this space, how do you protect your business because you know, if people find out, oh, this is really profitable, we can, you know, we can replicate this, right? You know, I don't, you know, if you've got an affiliate relationship with one of the big e-commerce providers or some big retail store, I can simply go to them as well and just copy what you're doing. So how do you maintain some kind of protection around your business? Because if you make it profitable, you're going to attract other players into that space. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question and and one that I actually get asked a lot, especially with um, uh, people within kind of the investor space as well. So um, just going back to the the point just quickly that you made about um, where our connections are made. I mean, we we tend to have good relationships with the networks themselves because they're the facilitators and they they manage the merchants themselves. So um, we work with them, but some of the guys we work with direct as well, the advertisers. Um, so to answer your question, the first really is that it's a relationship um, and the closer that you can work with the networks and the closer that you can work with the advertisers, you know, the better results you're going to get. You're going to get um, 
the ability to offer more to the members, um, understand their business a bit more uh, and adapt to um, how you want to advertise them um, to keep them happy. Uh, you know, some brands are quite, you know, brand protective, for example. Um, and if you can sort of keep them, keep them on, on, on the right side from that point of view, you know, um, they're going to do a lot more for you. So, yeah, first point, it's definitely a relationship business. And we, and, and we found that um, as a network when I was working for Rakuten Affiliate that, you know, um, a big USP for the network was the fact that we would offer such, you know, a high level of service when it came to working with the publishers and connecting them with the advertisers. And that just gets translated across once you become a publisher like, uh, like I've, I just have. Um, so that's, that's a good point. Um, to be able to understand what the trends are, what the growing pains are, will keep you moving fast as well, I think. Um, and like I said, having that experience of working with these types of sites and being part of a network, so understanding what makes a network tick as well, kind of kind of keeps you moving fast against competitors. Because like you said, it's, it's a low barrier to entry. So someone could see the site and say, you know what, I'm going to do exactly the same. Mm. Um, so we knew that. Um, and as it stands today, there's, you know, there's four of us in the space already, uh, fighting for market share in Thailand, so, in Thailand alone. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, one site launched a couple of months after us. Um, and there, there was one that I mentioned launched in Singapore is now in six countries. So they're, they're moving really fast. What we've decided to do is, um, take a sort of big, bigger picture approach and, look at ways to offer more value for the advertisers who are working with us, but also for members as well. You know, how can we, how can we keep them on the site longer? How can we give them more value? How can we give them more rewards? What else can they get involved in? Um, and based on all of that kind of research and, and, and design work we're you know, we're pretty close to launching kind of what we call, we call sort of version V2, I guess, where it's, you know, we're, we're building a whole new platform to, enable us to offer those um much better um you know rewards and added value for for advertisers what's the difference then between version one and version two of your platform without giving away too many of your secrets because obviously the users are going to use it advertisers are going to use it what's going to be their sort of notable difference yeah so at the moment you know um <clears throat> it's basically um a cashback site on its own so it's just a cashback site you come on you kind of know what product you want or service you want and you kind of know who you want to shop with. Um, so you go um, you go to the site, uh, you click through and, and you get your reward. What we want to do is we want to sort of get the member engaged through different means. I mean, I can't talk too much about it, but, um, you know, adding more of a sense of a community feel. So um, rewarding them for certain behaviors or certain actions. Yeah. And another thing as well, which I learned really quickly um, was the obviously the, the cultural and, and shopping differences between uh, Southeast Asia, Thailand especially, and, and looking at the Western markets where um, you know Thailand is much more uh, offline focused, cash focused. Um, you know, shopping is much more much more social. Uh, they tend to be more social. They spend less time at home. Uh, they're walking through the malls a lot more, uh, and, and just things like that. So understanding that the behaviour of consumers here is you know a big mix of the offline world 
is is was an important part for our development as well and we want to kind of tap into that if we can in some way um to be able to award them for you know activities that they do offline as well so that's something that we've we've planned in uh, for sure it's kind of rare in the affiliate space though isn't it i mean a lot of the until now i'm not saying it's not something that we're going to see more of affiliate marketing tends to focus a lot on and i don't want to teach you your job you know better than anybody else right so you can correct me but my understanding is is that successful affiliate um marketers have focused on building lists um you know keyword optimization and i suppose the relationships with the the network's on the other side as well, especially in the corporate space, right? So to to sort of then think about bringing shoppers in or, you know, members in and building community with them, that seems to be, you know, something that hasn't really been explored where it should have been. I mean, you think about successful e-commerce providers, right? You know, how successful they've been or any kind of platform in your space, you know, not necessarily affiliate space, but somebody like TripAdvisor, for example, or, you know, Yelp, people in that space have built these communities haven't they like and that's been an important part of that whole experience mm. but in affiliate marketing they haven't really done that until now apart from just building lists so where are we going with it so when i was when i was in the sort of last sort of three years of working um for for Rakuten affiliate there was there was a couple of buzzwords that were really sort of making waves every single conference that we go to even ones that we hosted ourselves um you know, one of the big words or phrases was was big data. So mm. understanding what shoppers get up to, where do they go, what are the touch points, how can we influence that behavior, what types of advertising and where can we hit them in different places. So um, this, with this whole focus on the whole shopping behavior and trying to understand what they're doing, not only online but, but also offline. So the other buzzword was kind of this O2O thing, right? So right, online right. to offline. And, and avatar, I think advertisers drove this um, initially they wanted to um, they spent a lot of time a lot of money on trying to integrate their operations to make it more seamless with advertiser you know obvious example you order online and you pick something up in store I mean that was kind of a basic step Um, but then analyzing that behavior as well uh, to then make you know better business decisions and then I think I think the publishers the networks understood that and the publishers kind of followed on that as well um, and said well you know what if we if we can catch people and we can you know reward members for um, shopping online, why can't we do it offline as well? So there's a there's a bit of um, activity to to try and develop their systems to, to to grab people offline as well. And at the backbone of that is obviously the data the data aspect because um, if you can understand how a shopper behaves, where they go, what they do, you know what time they shop, then it becomes quite valuable for advertisers. So um, being able to build that whole profile, and that's that's probably why it's important to build that data base around the community aspect um, mm. and hitting them at different different points to, to really understand what they're up to because you can make better decisions and, and you can also offer better targeting to advertisers as well. Um, you know, Facebook is an obvious example of um, how they've got that drilled down to T um, and, and, you know, and makes it more cost-effective for the advertisers as well. But what sort of data can you build on? I mean, talking generically now, not just about your platform, but about shoppers. And just so we can picture it a little bit better, 
what kind of better decisions can you make with that? Is it just kind of the obvious stuff that we've been using for the last 20, 30 years, like age, sex, location, that kind of thing? Or are we a bit more advanced than that now? I think I think we're a bit more advanced. I mean, if you think about how people shop, you know, if they're shopping online, they could be in, off, in an offline environment. Mm. So you could you could use the fact that someone's got a mobile phone with a location service switched on to entice them into a store or let's say as a as an advertiser you want to target people that have an interest in a similar product and you're opening a flagship store in a new city so you want to think okay this is the, this is the normal demographics the age you know where they're based but also what's, what what are their preferences when it comes to shopping and the behavior around that can we drive these people into this store um, this new flagship store to to drive traffic and and ultimately sales as well so um, I think the original data is there, but we kind of can stack all this behavioral stuff on top as well um, you know as people go through uh, and, and shop online and offline as well and that's I guess that's the key really just getting that that bigger picture of um, the the behavior and aggregating that into meaningful uh, meaningful data that you can then action on. What, what exactly do you mean though by that kind of behavior? I'm trying to understand that. Is what would that be? What kind of behavior would you be collecting, or somebody could collect about a shopper that would be useful? I mean, okay, you like, yeah, sure, they got a mobile phone, but everybody's got a mobile phone, right? Um, but what is it about? What kind of pictures are we building about these shoppers that helps advertisers make better decisions? Well, that's it. I mean, that's that's really the key. The fact that, especially here, so many people have got the mobile phone. So there's there's so much more that you can layer on. Um, like like I mentioned, the behavioural stuff. So you can understand, um, you know, where they're shopping, mm. what locations, what stores are going in, uh, wh- where they're going online, how they're searching online, what are they searching for, you know, how how many sites does it take for them to visit? What's you know what's their what's the whole sort of purchase cycle is it is it longer than it was before you know 10 15 years ago or is it actually much much longer because you know someone wants to uh find out about a product but they want to read reviews if it if it's you know if their peers have validated that that product um you know what what are the policies for the advertiser can i return a product um you know where are the locations can i pick it up so there's there's all these different you know aspects of um of data that that is a lot more available than it was before like you said on the fact that everyone's got a mobile so um and and a lot of people were using it a lot of the time so you, the, the kind of stuff that you can gather gather from that and then put it together um helps us to understand shoppers um but also with that understanding allows us to become more valuable i think for the advertisers to uh, be able to find out where their new customers are going to come from. Mm. So, uh, how are you able? How are you able to then take that data and go to an advertiser and say, "Okay, this is what we know about our customers." Would you be able to say, "Look, we've got these customers, and this group of them shop here, and this group shop here"? Or uh, are you able to go a bit deeper than that? What, what kind of? I don't want to give away all your secrets, but just so we can understand where we are with affiliate marketing today what or any kind of e-commerce platform what kind of you know how can they help advertisers because i'm sure advertisers listening to this will be thinking okay right well this sounds interesting but what can it do for me that i can't do anywhere else yeah i guess on a on a real 
if we start on a real basic level, you know, we, we would know um, what advertisers a member is visiting. So similar to what you said, we if we know that and we know that an advertiser is interested in targeting people that have got um, similar interests or, you know, targeting uh, a company's uh, and advertiser's competitors, then, you know, we can broadly group those people to say, look, we know that these guys here uh, are interested in this type of product, which matches your type of product. Um, you know, for example, um, a hotel booking service. We know that, you know, all these members are visiting uh, one type of mm. hotel aggregator, for example. And we can use that data to then say, look, you know, these guys are making purchases. This is the kind of money that they're spending because we get, we get back um, – the transaction behavior as well, uh, or transaction data, should I say, um, about how, you know how much people spend and and in in many instances what they're spending on as well. So we can start building this these profile pictures of um, people that that we can then target using using that data for advertisers that are interested in targeting specific people. Mm. So you're building a this aggregate picture of their shopping behavior and I guess the only kind of platforms who are able to do that outside of your space are the people like Amazon, etc., who, or maybe even Facebook with their sort of tracking, but you know, when they track you through or retarget you, but the Amazon really is one of the few platforms that is able to capture buying interest across so many different categories, isn't it? So, you know, they can say like, okay, if you go to Amazon, I know that you shop in these different categories, right? Rather than just somebody goes to an electrical store, right? Because maybe not everybody's interested in electrical stuff, but you've got this ability. So the more stores that you get, the more of a complete picture you can build or create about your shoppers, right? And that's valuable in itself. Is that data which just helps you get more uh, you know, uh, more advertisers on your platform or is that data that you can actually sell as well on top of that? Um, potentially, potentially to sell, but also we can use that data for ourselves as right uh, um, as well to understand how we can recruit more members because we might build a picture to say, well, you know what, the there's a core demographic of um, 20 to 25-year-olds that shop mm. for video games um, on Lazada as a as a random example okay so we know that so let's go and look for um some acquisition opportunities based on that data and knowing that you know we've got a pretty good target in place to to recruit members that could be interested in using our service so um it it benefits us as well as the advertisers as well i think Um, and that's what's really important for us to to um to use for recruitment purposes how do you then build that model? Because this must be one of the challenges of building any kind of two-sided model where on the one hand you've got advertisers, like you talk about Lazada, for example, and on the other hand you have 20 to 25-year-olds who maybe buy these games on that platform, right? How do you balance that such that you know what you don't want is where well, you get lots and lots of 20 to 25-year-olds but not enough products on the other side or not enough campaigns and then or the other way around – lots and lots of advertisers, but you just don't have enough customers, members coming through the door. How do you balance that? Because that must be pretty tricky, isn't it, to get all of that right? Yeah, I think I think we, um, well, I mean, I would say that, but I think we managed it in the correct way and that we spent the first three months 
really building up the advertiser base of the partners that we've got on the site because without any advertisers, you know, why would someone join? Why would someone use a service if they can't shop with who they want to shop with? Um, so that was kind of part one and then part two moved on to the, to the acquisition part as well. Um, and obviously uh, phase, kind of the next phase of that is really starting to aggregate the data properly to understand, like I was saying, you know, with understanding the age behavior and who's interested in what store, who's clicking when, you know, at what time and, and things like that. So, yeah, it was um, it, it was done in that way for because it's a bit catch-22 in, in, in that respect. But I think getting the advertisers on board first was the right thing to do. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Two years in, what do you know now about your business? In particular, well, more than your business, about entrepreneurialism, about being a founder, about starting a business that maybe you didn't know two years ago. I know you've worked in reasonably dynamic environments in affiliate marketing and you've worked, you know, in customer-facing environments, which always you know, gives you an understanding of what's going on in the market, whether that's selling games or online or, you know, through Linkshare and Rakuten, for example. But, you know, what do you know now, now that you started your business? How have your expectations changed? Do, do you think differently in some ways about being a founder or an entrepreneur two years in than you did when you started out back in 2015? Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Um it's it's a whole big wide world out there when it comes to starting your own business as a as a startup that you want to you know hopefully grow into a uh, into sizable business. Really, um, you know, coming from that coming from that corporate background, you don't get exposed to certain aspects of running a business as a startup. Um, a really obvious one, I think, that most startups would uh, concur with, I guess, is um, the fact that it's quite a lonely world out there. You know, you're starting up as your own. Uh, you probably haven't got office space. Um, you're working at, you know, you're working <clears throat> any hours of the day to get to get stuff done. It's not a nine to five. It's when you need to work, you need to work. And it might be might be 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. Um, if things need to get done, then, you know, you just have to make sure they get done because it's ultimately your responsibility whether this makes it or not so with with a corporate world you kind of turn up you do your job uh, and you go home and you can forget about it uh, but very much very very different uh, with a startup it's always on your mind uh, and you kind of almost find I certainly got my phone uh, with me all of the time as, as most people have but my laptop usually cut if i'm not sure if i need the laptop i'll bring it anyway mm. just in case i need to tap into to, to work to check things out or you know show someone some you know some features on the side whatever it might be um but yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a 24 7 thing it's lonely to start with um luckily we've just secured an office about three um i'm back to that kind of office startup environment which is which is great um but it's it's different to the corporate world. We'd, I was quite lucky, actually. When I started at Rakuten Marketing, um, who were Linkshare at that time, they just launched, they were a US company, they just launched in London. And uh, when I started, I was actually the fourth team member uh, in London. So it was a small office and it had this really cool startup feel as well. Mm. Um, but the, you had the added advantage of 
the support from this you know this juggernaut in the US and then the bigger juggernaut in the in Japan from from Rakuten so um you kind of knew you were in safe hands uh, if that makes sense but um you still you still had the agility and the flexibility to just get everyone to chip in and and, and do things to make to make the business work um the, the, obviously the main difference here you haven't got that support you know you're on your own so you you quickly, if you don't know how to do something, you quickly teach yourself how to do it because no one else is going to do it for you. Um, so there's um, there's that added responsibility. I heard um, a funny phrase. I can't remember where where I heard it, but basically someone said that as soon as you um, move away from the corporate world and start your own business up, is the day you become an adult in kind of the right. business world. Uh, Very know, true. Corporate, huh? Yeah, in the corporate world, you you almost like a baby being fed. Uh, that was that was well there's always a safety net i mean you've mentioned it already even though you've worked in dynamic startup like environments and small teams at the end of the day you still get paid that's the difference isn't it and that's the difference of starting your own business is that at the end of the day you might not get paid and most startup founders don't get paid for you know maybe a year right a lot of people go without money for a year or even longer and that's the reality, isn't it? That you may have what looks like a similar environment, but the risk factor is completely different. So I'm curious, like how you went about growing this business. I know you've sort of talked about the environment now. You have an office and so on. An affiliate model, anything that sort of involves affiliate could easily be grown as like a lifestyle business, couldn't it? There's plenty of people who have very successful affiliate platforms making very good money and it's just them or them and their wife or them and their partner or them and a a friend, right? Or, you know, whoever. And they can live somewhere like Chiang Mai in Thailand or they could be down in Bali, you know, living on coconut dollars and making a very good living and no need to grow it like a startup. But the way you've consciously talked about this is as a startup, you know, you have an office, you've taken it down that route. I'm curious to know why you've gone down that route as opposed to, you know, you could have had a very comfortable lifestyle business, not had to worry about an office, not had to worry about necessarily all the things that will come up now that you have a team and so on. So is that, a, you know, was that a decision you made earlier on or did it just kind of end up like that with your background in the corporate world? Yeah, so that's a really good question as well. Um, yeah, for me, I, I guess it's just through my own ambition and just witnessing for myself in the corporate world what a success a site like this could could potentially be meant that, you know, the immediate objective was to try and make a real success of this um and not just not just be that lifestyle business because um you know you you can do that but it's 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 a pretty tough world out there and um you know because of the competitive nature of this business you you have to be up there and you have to be making it making Mm. it work and make it grow um and it's it's a business model that's very very successful in the more mature um, e-commerce markets like the US and the UK um, and it's still you know still in its infancy especially in Southeast Asia um, you know e-commerce is still to grow massively and I'm sure you've chatted um, extensively about you know the growth opportunities here 
uh, one other podcast. But yeah, I mean, the opportunity here is massive. So because of those two things, because of my kind of ambition to 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 go in and really, really make it a success as much as I can um, and have that experience of growing a company from something tiny and um, being able to grow something bigger, I think is is a really rewarding factor if you can get if you can go down that road mm. uh, because you can look back and you can look at the the hard times and everything like that but if you can if you can make a success of something then you know it's going to put a massive smile on your face and you're going to feel good for it uh, and that was really the motivation really to to keep to, to keep going and keep pushing so you've obviously got plans to grow and as you say it's a growing marketplace so you're going to need some kind of extra resources to help you grow what's your situation at the moment are you self-funded are you bootstrapped did you get seed capital are you looking for funding share with us what you can tell us yeah so we've basically been um bootstrapping stroke um using our own funds uh to to certainly develop the new site that we're building but also through our recruitment efforts as well um we're, we're actually actively um, looking for fundraising at the moment uh, we're kind of at a, a seed round stage where we want to take what we've what we've built um, and we just want to be able to grow it a lot quicker I think the potential is there the markets the market's ready um, it's not as advanced so you kind of have to you, you have to go in with a sort of kid gloves and like I said just educate the market as well um, but it's certainly it's certainly ready and and we think we've got with the new features that are coming up, we we think that we've got um, a great opportunity to um, to capitalise certainly on the Thailand market, but but Southeast Asia, and we're we're building it as a global product anyway. So you know, Southeast Asia certainly for us is the first stop, mm. um, but there's no reason why we couldn't expand into other territories. Um, not not easily, but um, you know, with with some unique with some unique USPs, hopefully that will allow us to stand out a bit from the from the rest. Yeah, and the key here as well, I mean, if, if you're seeking funding, is to get the smart money, isn't it? Because you need people who can also open doors for you. So, you know, rather than just accept any money that gets thrown at you, what are you looking for? In, if you had angels or a group of angels, a syndicate, for example, that came to you or interested in your space, what would you like to see from them in terms of what they could bring to the table? Obviously, beyond the money, what kind of backgrounds would you want? to see that would really help you grow? I think um, certainly kind of the, the e-commerce space, understanding the space, um, understanding um, how to grow a team, how to move from that, you know, very sort of not, not, not casual, but that kind of like that, that, uh, that's that small startup environment and understanding and learning how to, grow the team into more of a because ultimately it's going to become more corporate that's just what happens but having that experience to know what you're going to be facing um in order to you know overcome those challenges a bit, a bit more easier um i'm uh in terms of the in terms of the team at the moment i mean we've got a couple of ad advisors that that help me out as well which is which is great um we've got one who's had a background in um, uh, in the Rocket Internet Group, um, helping start Lazada here in Thailand and, and uh, Food Panda in Vietnam. So he certainly has some great experience uh, when it comes to building teams. Um, and I've also got um, 
uh, a guy, uh, Kun Pawuk, who's president of e-commerce association here in Thailand as well, that, you know, has been in this space since I think 99 um, and is the owner of an e-commerce site, tarad.com. And his experience is, is immense when it comes to this local market as well. Mm. So when it comes to um, investors um, as, as, as on that kind of advisory role as well, um, certainly understanding of the Southeast Asian market um, because each country is very, very different, as as you probably know. You know, there's culturally there's there's so many different changes. So, for someone to have experiencing starting a business in these different territories, so that we don't have to spend time learning, uh, which always takes time, would be a, would be a massive asset as well. Um, but like you said, it's the it's it's the clever money, and I don't think we're we're in it just to try and raise as as much money as quickly as possible from whoever. I think you have to make a really careful decision on who you want to partner with, especially at this early stage as well. When it comes to sort of later later funds, um, you know, Series A, Series B, it's a little less of a focus. But these guys are going to be the ones that are helping you to 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 scale very very quickly at that stage. Mm. Fantastic. That's Anthony Quinn, everybody, from DD Cashback. Uh, Anthony, before you go, please share with us some link or links where people can go and find out more about you, especially if they can reach out, given the context of the conversation we just had about your your strategy to grow. Where can people go and check you out? Yeah, so obviously the, the, the main business itself is is DD Cashback, which is com. Um, anyone that's in Thailand, I obviously encourage you to join up. We'll give you a hundred baht as well, uh, just as a thank you. But um, you know, it's it's kind of a it, it really is a no brainer. If you shop online uh, and you want to get some added discount, you know, if you're booking a hotel, if you're or a flight or anything like that, then yeah, for sure you can get get some added value on that purchase as well. Um, and obviously, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, Excellent. Uh, we'll put the details in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. If the, the links, rather than me spelling it out, exactly. Great. <laughs> yeah, Anthony, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you for so much coming on and sharing your insights into the Thailand and Southeast Asia e-commerce market, especially on the affiliate side of things, and also insights into shoppers in Thailand. We wish you all the best with your journey and your future race. Looking for some positive outcomes on that and seeing how you grow. Come back on the show when you've got some news, when you've got version two out, you know, and that's going great guns. Be great to hear how that's going and get some, you know, what you've learned insights into, you know, what you know now about the the market that you're in and you can share that with us. It'd be great to hear that. Come back on the show maybe six months down the line and give us an update yeah most definitely that'd be great and um yeah thank you for inviting me on the show it's been uh yeah it's been awesome to, to just chat chat a bit about what i'm up to excellent anthony quinn everybody thank you very much thank you you've been listening to asia tech podcast find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com